Chriscast episode four. Welcome. Big news this week. We're going onto a podcast platform. So keep your eyes on Chris's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram feeds, and you will find the link to the podcast coming up. We should be publishing on Tuesday this week. Hopefully, things are just going to go up to another level here. Chris, excited about the start of the podcast on a proper platform? Yes, I'd like to thank everyone for their feedback so far. It seems to be very encouraging. Apparently, I speak quietly, which will be news to <laughs> many of our political opponents. However, I'm looking forward to feedback. Next week, Chris is back to school. What that means, viewers, is that Westminster <laughs> Parliament will be back sitting uh, next Monday, but really should have been recalled during summer to deal with the cost of living crisis. Three weeks we're back in September. There has to be solutions put in place to tackle the cost of living crisis. Coming on to that cost of living crisis, I know we've, we've, we've covered it already in one of the podcasts, but I think it's really important. I think it's probably one of the biggest issues facing the entirety of the UK at the moment. Now had the Figures released for the cost of living increase for the fuel bills, which is going to really hammer carers. But we thought we'd have to take a look a a bit into the future here. So with the changes to going to three months for the fuel cap, in April, most people are expecting this. Most of the organisations are expecting this to go up to £7,700. Now, although we know carers are going to get hammered, this now means that anybody on UC, on standard UC, is also going to get hammered, and very, very heavily. So, Chris, what are the figures then? Inflation is projected to go up to 18%. Frankly, no one can afford uh, inflation going up that much, which is why in the next three weeks there should be a real focus on tackling the cost of living crisis, because this has to be addressed. We have uh, some figures here, single person on universal credit, 4,018.92 a year. Yeah, that's what I found. A average couple, 6,308.64, which I know you have researched, Alistair, and Indeed, you, yes, research and you yes. can maybe just confirm to, to the, the uh, listeners, uh, I think I called them viewers earlier, but you can confirm <laughs> to the uh, listeners. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think there's a couple of things as well, though. There's obviously been some demonstrations in Glasgow and Dallas of the People, which have been well attended by uh, a number of people, including young people. There's a very real concern here. I think there's some things that the government have to look at. The first thing they have to look at is the social tariff. There are a number of our constituents who are on prepaid uh, payment meters. Someone in a prepayment meter is paying more for their electricity than those who are not. I've always found that to just be justifiably wrong. So I think that there has to be some sort of social tariff that uh, as exists in Belgium. I think there's a number of other things. I mean, obviously, we have some political parties now putting forward their su- suggestions. But I think the key uh, to this gets back to regulation. Now, as I've said before, I'm very sympathetic to public ownership of energy, but to do that properly, we need it regulated properly. My real concern is that the regulators appear to be on the side of the energy companies as opposed to the consumer. And I think we need to get back to strong regulation of energy because this is is a nonsense. The regulators, I think, have been asleep and really should have intervened before now. They just seem to be agents of the energy companies and that's not their job. Their job is to protect consumers. So there's very real issues here. There'll be impacts, I think, right across the board 
but particularly those who are receiving some sort of universal credit and just to make the listeners aware again around 40% of universal credit claimants are in work and so we need to um, I think address a number of issues in the next three weeks and that's certainly what my focus will be and a big shout out I think to the all the trade unions who are undertaking industrial action as a result of the cost of living crisis I think it's a very difficult position to ask people when they see the projections of inflation figures to accept percentage rises which are way below the 18% but I, and I still believe that the focus and the creativity around addressing pay claims has to be on flat rate claims or tapered pay claims where the lowest are getting more and I am visiting as I did last week I'll be visiting more uh, picket lines this week uh, in order to show my solidarity and support to follow up on that, Chris was quoted in the Metro as being on the picket lines as a Labour MP, which was hilarious and had to get withdrawn and an apology printed. Chris will not be getting sacked by Keir Starmer for attending pickets, which I'm sure you'll all be delighted to hear. Going back to a couple of things on the price cap. Now, if we go back to that figure for the single person paying £4,018.92 on full UC with an impending price rise up to £7,700. That person is going to be £3,681.08 in debt with this cost of living crisis. And the couple, as we mentioned a little earlier, £6,308.64 coming on UC. They're going to be £1,391.36 in debt. And that is before they pay anything extra. They pay extra for the council tax. They haven't paid for their food bills. They have done nothing as far as any other expenses concerns. Various days out, entertainment. You know, these are the basic things that make a person's life and they're staring down the barrel here of being put into monstrous, monstrous debt. They'll probably be put on a prepayment meter. And it's a bit of a cheat, Chris, isn't it? You know, the prepayment meters, you're paying in advance for electricity. So these companies are getting your money before you get the electricity. Yes, that's why I'm uh, opposed to that. And uh, I do think that we should look at the social tariff model. And I think particularly, you've articulated some figures there which are absolutely frightening. They'll be frightening to listeners if you're hearing what you're saying. And it's why there needs to be emergency measures put in place when we arrive back at Westminster next week, regardless of who takes over at number 10. I just can't believe that during these summer months, Parliament wasn't recalled and that the government appears to be a zombie government. Well, they certainly appear to be asleep and they have a number of questions that they need to answer as soon as we're back in Monday. Daunting news there for everybody that's involved in, I mean, even people in full-time work. We recently heard that the government believe that anybody below £45,000 is going to be in trouble. If they're saying that kind of level, that's more than double the median wage in Scotland, isn't it? That's right. Obviously, we're here to help as much as we possibly can, and Citizen Advice can help you as well. I do know that Citizen Advice are very, very busy. It's taking at least six weeks to get an appointment, so if you've got any debt concerns at the moment or you're in debt and need to reschedule, please get in contact and we'll try and help you the best we can. You're now coming to one of your favourite parts of the podcast, which is the Nerd Spot. So, on to Nerd Spot, the bit where we discuss the little quirks of the arcane practices of Westminster. And one of the things that we do quite, get quite a lot is people requesting that they get an answer from the government about an issue. How do we get an answer from the government about so an issue? So this is the written questions process. The written question, yeah. So we table a written questions now. You can either table a written question 
as a named day question, which means that they have five working days to respond, or you can just table an ordinary written question, which I think they, is 20 working days to respond, usually, thereabouts. And we then get that answer, which is in the record, it's put in the parliamentary records what the question and the answer is. So people who follow us on uh, websites, for example, on Day Work For You or similar websites will be able to see those uh, questions and answers. That's when we get an answer. Sometimes when we ask a question, particularly around costs, we are told that they cannot provide that information except at disproportionate cost to the taxpayer. And I've had a number of those back, and I, I was actually been tempted one time to ask how many parliamentary answers have been answered with disproportionate cost to the taxpayer. And I guess what the answer would be is probably that they couldn't provide that information except the disproportionate cost to the taxpayer. But it's been very useful in terms of getting government policy on the record, and indeed some statistics you've mentioned, rather start statistics. They are one of the ones which uh, I've tabled which gets regular media coverage because we put in the question at least every couple of months, is the number of deductions of universal credit from people a month. And those figures are going up and up and up ever since we started asking that question, which is during COVID, uh, around about 2020. Again, we should not have, in my view, deductions from universal credit particularly for those who are having deductions due to errors on the part of the Department of Working Pensions. And those who've Googled me recently will see that both myself and my colleague David Linden have been pushing very hard on this issue because we believe that we're the department's fault that no one should be having to pay back money. That's not the fault of the claim. There's also comes back to the initial claim Initial claim for universal credit, people have to wait five weeks. They can get an advance yeah. every two weeks. And these deductions are essentially advances. Now, I said, well, they're called advances. In reality, they are loans. You would think that the Department of Working Pensions was a loan shark, the way they carry on. So people are having an average of £60 deducted from the universal credit claim. That's a lot of money, and that is, you know, people's food bill or paying for their energy and and other such things. So that's the questions process. We can also ask questions or table questions at the various question times, oral questions, that's subject to a ballot, a complete lottery. When people are wondering why it's PMQs, for example, or when they're watching other question times, they'll see a number and, you know, a name then there will be an opportunity to ask questions on the floor of the House. We have to table them in advance and then we get an answer. So when you've seen videos, which I know you've put up, and our colleagues in the office have put up about questions in the House, that's what happens. Another way of asking a question is when the uh, government decide to put forward a ministerial statement, they will make that statement and then there's an opportunity again for MPs to ask those questions and ask a question that's uh, pertinent. I think the last one, which is probably a good example, was around the contaminated blood inquiry, for yeah. example, where we were, we were able to, to ask a, a number of questions uh, on behalf of people affected by that issue. 
And then there's the urgent question issue where MPs get an opportunity to ask an urgent question, which is at the discretion of the speaker, but it could be something that's completely topical, something that's at headlines. Uh, and we're asking the government what they are doing to respond. I'm anticipating the first day we're back there'll probably be a number of either ministerial statements or a number of urgent questions, yes. uh, particularly around cost of living. Obviously, that's entirely at the Speaker's discretion. I would never uh, <laughs> tell the Speaker what you can and can't do. But that's uh, the questions process, and I hope that has been useful to the listeners. Yeah, I mean, if, if you want to get a question answered by Chris about any of the, the subjects that are reserved to Westminster, by all means, get in contact, and we'll see if we can get them asked. Yeah, um, done that before. Just an example on this, I'm sure a few of you might have watched the Scottish questions, which turns up before PMQs, and you see... English MPs bobbing up and making comments about Scotland. How infuriating is that? Wasting the time. Well, it can be entertaining because oh, it's, it can be entertaining that they're completely utterly clueless about what happens in uh, Scotland. But I think there was one time we had an opposition day debate and the whips were handing out to the Tory MPs the whips bulletin as to what to say in the middle of the debate. And uh, we were all giving them marks for their reading skills. Yes, it is infuriating. You have, have, uh, I mean, it gets to comedy sometimes. We actually had an MP one time suggesting that people should move their tax affairs to England in order to avoid paying higher rate tax until Angus Brendan McNeil pointed out to him an intervention that perhaps uh, the lowest paid in England should register their tax affairs in Scotland because low rate taxpayers are paying less in Scotland than they are in England. And that's obviously not including things like council tax that we get cheaper and free prescriptions, for example, things like baby boxes for the kids, all these little contributions that you get over and above what you would receive down south. Yes. And that gets forgotten all the time, doesn't it? Yes. Your job as spokesperson for fair work and employment, what does that involve? Well, that's a very good question, Alistair. Mm, thank you. So you're asking what it involves. Well, obviously, it involves liaison with trade unions, uh, with third sector organisations around the Department of Work and Pensions. It involves working the Department of Work and Pensions Select Committee. It involves me trying to develop policy positions, which I've done with a number of private members' bills we've put forward. We'll maybe do that in another episode of yeah. 15 <laughs> proposed pieces of legislation that oh. put forward. So far, so far, there may be more uh, as we get forward in the, in the parliamentary session, and I'm thinking about a couple more. And we should probably publish that as a manifesto <laughs> at some stage. Many of which is to, to deal with the uh, cost of living. For example, one of the ones we're doing is around benefit sanctions and that there should be warnings before someone gets a sanction. They will, uh, often referred to as the yellow card system, but it shouldn't necessarily be one warning, it should be a number of warnings, I think, depending on the issue. Well, one of the things we've done, in, uh, and, and the workers' rights one we've done with uh, trade unions and a number of organisations, and that will mean on occasion that I'll be on the floor of the House on the front bench representing the, the party, asking questions of uh, ministers or taking part in debates. So that's what it involves. Basically defending the workers and others. And others, because remember, people sometimes get confused because the Department of Work and Pensions doesn't deal with employment law. That's the business, energy and, and industry department. It can, so there can be a crossover there. In terms of fair work, it's also about getting people into work. Yeah. And it's also about helping disabled people get into employment, for example. 
which is some of the things we've done in the select committee. Yeah, is to make uh, recommendations about that. So it's a it's a good cross range. So in the select committee, you just go in and you sit there and they you question the relevant minister or witnesses or witnesses or witnesses. You should perhaps play in a future episode that wonderful six-minute exchange between myself and Theresa Coffey. Two million people who have watched that online. I think you did. You get some pick up from uh, YouTube on that. I think you I did, think didn't I've you? Got, I think I've got pick up from a number of media yes. sources on it as well. <laughs> so there you go. Chris's job as a spokesperson for fair work and employment. Uh, obviously, if you want to get your own questions into the nerd spot about something that Chris does down in, in London, please, by all means, get in touch and let us know your questions, and we'll put them to Chris in a future episode. Well, it's time to talk about the upcoming events in the community for the next week or so. Chris, what's on? Yeah, thanks. I should probably say that yesterday I attended a, a very poignant uh, service. Uh, as there was an unveiling of a plaque in Kilburnie Street uh, for the seven people who died 50 years ago at the Kilburnie Street fire. Uh, there was also an event in the Pollock fire station because that, that's the only active fire station still going where some of the seven who lost their lives were based in their employment. Uh, those who work should go home from their work and shouldn't be killed at work. But I think that we should salute the bravery of those seven a major story at the time and that particular incident did make sure that firefighters had you know the proper equipment breathing apparatus and, and the like so I attended that and <clears throat> going to the Ball United Information Day this week be visiting picket lines for workers on strike I've got some meetings in place with trade unions and also also the surveys are back and we will be uh, going to some places within the constituency with our MP survey. Excellent. Uh, and yes. asking asking the constituents what the important issues are from them and anything we can do to assist them. That's always been a welcome initiative and that will be starting again this week. Uh, so if you see a survey, please fill it out, put it in the prepaid envelope and we'll be going around knocking the doors this week. The surveys are coming to good, a place good. near you. It's good stuff. The surveys are back. So with the return of the surveys, of course, you don't actually have to wait for a survey to let us know what you think. You That's can true. Email us at any time you want. Phone. Yeah. Surgery's coming up. Surgery's coming up. Thursday, Thursday the 1st of September, 12.30pm at the 50p Church, Priest Hill. Friday the 2nd of September, 6.30pm, Sainsbury's Darnley with... Councillor Sally and Saturday the 3rd of September 10am at Cardonald Library and again if you wish to make an appointment please do so we'll answer the phones or answer the emails and get you booked into any one of those well, it's time to focus on our community organisations again who are we talking about in this week? well we're going to talk firstly the great news great news that the lease for the Three Hills Community Supermarket has been signed Brilliant. the work will imminently start and hopefully we will have the Three Hills Community Supermarket open this year this is a project which I've been heavily involved in uh, for two years now to get up and running we've managed to secure substantial funding for this project it will I think help a number of people particularly with the issues we've talked about in relation to cost of living this will have community room it will have a cafe and it will have the community supermarket itself and the purpose of the community supermarket is to sell on food at cost and to be the first step in the ladder for those who require emergency food aid. I'm absolutely delighted. I want to thank all the community organisations in the Great Pollock Ward who have been involved in this project and, and the steering group. And the next one we're going to talk about is this, an upcoming 
So I mean, if you grew up in Cardonald? Yes, so there's a steering committee started with a food aid project in the Cardonald ward, which we're looking at. Details will be revealed going forward, but I want to thank Paul United, Glasgow Southwest Food Bank, Southside Housing Association, South Cardonald and Ross Community Council, and the Hillington Park Church who've been involved in the discussions with us so far. So that will mean that we'll have something in Cardonald. And obviously in Govan, we have the great, fantastic Govan help, of which yep. we've managed to provide with uh, equipment and support and food in the past. So these are just some of the great community organisations who have helped a huge number of constituents uh, right across the piece. Excellent projects. We're in discussions looking at more to help people deal with the crisis that we come to find ourselves in. Really fantastic communities building these facilities to help out and not a moment too soon with the impending cost of living crisis. Before we go folks, um, a reminder of our various contact details so you can get in touch with us at any time. Chris, go for it. Okay, email chris.stevens, that's ph and stevens, there's no v in the Irish language, chris.stevens.mp at parliament.co.uk, phone 0141-883-0875. You can look at the web, and that's chrisstevens.scot. And also if you search Chris Stevens MP, that's with a PH, not a V, on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, you'll find all of the work that myself and the office are doing don't forget as well drop us a line tell us what you think of the new podcast format if you want some technical help on how to get to listen to the podcast please please do get in contact and we will help you as best as we can see you next week folks see you next week folks all the best bye